You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Football Friday edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, contributor to AthlonSports.com, reminding you to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on whatever podcasting app you may be using to listen to today's episode. And then, of course, when the episode is over, go back and leave a reading, leave a review. Let us know what you thought about today's show and the podcast overall. We appreciate any kind of feedback you guys want to have. And, of course, the subscriptions will really help us out moving forward as well. Lots of stuff to get into in today's episode as we look forward to not only the week two schedule of college football with some more teams getting on the field, but the Big Ten continues to be on fire from every which angle possible, and that includes Penn State head coach James Franklin. We'll talk about some of the comments that he made, as well as another Big Ten coach, as the Big Ten continues to be working through a PR nightmare with not playing football this year. We'll also take a moment to go to bat for James Franklin because I feel he's been taking some criticism as far as his recruiting efforts are concerned. I think it's grossly overplayed at this point. I'm going to tell you why as well as give you some of my picks for this week two schedule of the college football season. Before we get started, I want to make sure you are following us on all of our social media platforms by using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. With all out of the way, guys, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. I remember going back into arcades back in the day, back when Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2, NBA Jam, when they were the big machines that were gobbling up all of the people's quarters out there. What would happen is uh, people would want to compete against each other. So you've got one person on the arcade cabinet and they would stay there until they were beaten. And there would be a line of people lining up to get that chance to dethrone that champion of that arcade game. And what would you do is you'd either get in line or you just stack your quarters up on the machine. You say, I've got next. And I feel like right now, that's basically what we're seeing right now with the Big Ten, especially uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, because it feels like everybody is just lining up their quarters saying that I got next when it comes to taking their shots at the Big Ten. And what I mean by that is the Big Ten is continuing to be under massive fire for this whole PR disaster and how they've executed their decision to not play fall sports this year, of course, most notably being football. And we have a lawsuit from Nebraska folks taking aim at the Big Ten, trying to get some discovery on exactly how the decision was made and get some transparency there. And there have been some ups and downs in that ongoing legal battle. We have seen players and families march on the campuses, including at Michigan recently, demanding for some kind of answer and resolution in hopes of being able to get back on the football field or the other athletic fields that have been impacted by this decision. And right from the jump, we knew that there were plenty of coaches and players who were very unhappy with not just the decision to not play, because I think a lot of people can at least come to grips with the decision if that ends up having to be the case. But the lack of information, the lack of clarity, the lack of straight answers coming from the Big Ten offices has been incredibly infuriating. We've talked about this on this podcast before. When Sandy Barber, Athletics Director at Penn State, came out and said that she wasn't even aware of a vote being held or how Penn State may have voted, I thought that that was astounding. And again, I'm not criticizing Sandy Barber for that. Criticism comes from above her and maybe directly from the Big Ten because it took a while for the Big Ten to confirm that there was a vote and how that vote went down. 
So here we are a few weeks after the fact, and we're still having the same discussions here as far as the Big Ten and their lack of information. And now you're starting to see the rumblings come with a little bit more ire from the head football coaches who are going to be the biggest pay guys in the conference. James Franklin right from the start, was not very happy. And I think he, he, when he came out after the initial decision and addressed the media, he was very stern with the disappointment that he was going through and the frustration that you could feel that he was having to deal with, with the fact that he was having to go and tell his players and tell their families that they're not going to be playing football this year and it's completely out of their hands. And you can really feel for any coach that has to go through that kind of a process because it cannot be easy. It simply cannot be easy, especially when it's not a decision that they themselves are making. Again, it's one thing to make the decision that you're not going to play, but at least have some information that you can relay to people that are being impacted by this decision. That has not been available to James Franklin or other coaches around the, the program and beyond around the conference. So Penn State and James Franklin, they're frustrated. <laughs> they want to be able to play some football. Obviously, Penn State is one of those schools that voted to cancel or postpone all fall sports. But uh, James Franklin uh, recently had another interaction with the media, and he still says that he's pretty frustrated with the way the Big Ten is going. Uh, this quote comes from 24-7 Sports from James Franklin. He says, I think the big challenge as the head football coach is that your players and your parents think that you have all the answers to what's going on. But the reality is we're dependent on the Big Ten to drive this thing forward. It's been challenging. It truly has. In terms of where we're at, I'm not really sure. I think that's part of the problem. To me, I've said this from the beginning. I don't necessarily have an issue with the decision. I got an issue with the process and I got an issue with the timing to be able to stand up in front of your team and parents and tell them that the season is canceled, postponed but not have any answers as to how that affects their future and when we'll be playing football and still having a month later, end quote. That's, that's the whole point here. This has been going on for a month. The decision was made, I guess, a month ago, and we still are searching for some answers from the Big Ten. So you know that James Franklin, he's not very happy right now. And I think the ongoing frustration of not knowing exactly where things are going at this point is incredibly infuriating for, to many degrees because you can't plan for what's next if you don't know what that plan is going to be. And that's the, the biggest sticking point right now. Now, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, he came out with a statement that really took aim right at the head of the Big Ten. And his statement says, while I understand the Big Ten Conference's decision to postpone the football season because of health and safety considerations, the communication of information from the Big Ten following the decision has been disappointing and often unclear. However, we still have an opportunity to give our young men what they have worked so hard for, a chance to safely compete for a national championship this fall. End quote. So Ryan Day went on to say a couple things about how proud he is of his program and the way that they've been going through this whole process. And I think where Ohio State is going through this situation, I think Penn State and a lot of the other teams around the Big Ten are going through similar storylines right now. And again, it's not always going to be an apples to apples comparison here, but I think that you see the frustration from some of the most notable faces that the Big Ten has to offer. James Franklin, we've seen Jim Harbaugh come out and say some things about how his team would be ready to play and don't use them as an excuse to not be playing. And of course, James Franklin and Ryan Day, uh, you know, two coaches that had teams that were not only going to be strong contenders for the Big Ten championship, potentially also for the playoff, probably more so for Ohio State, but Penn State was certainly on that radar. 
But the reality is the Big Ten schools are having some issues as far as COVID-19 is concerned. Penn State just had to shut down athletic workouts after 48 positive cases popped up within the athletic department. Uh, apparently, uh, it's been confirmed football is still ongoing, so football hasn't been affected by the cancellation or the uh, postponement of workouts. But it is certainly alarming when you see the number 48. Well, how about at Wisconsin, where 58 student-athletes uh, were tested positive for COVID-19? And that has led to football practices and football workouts shutting down, as well as men's hockey. Uh, those are two big programs for Wisconsin, so they're shut down for two weeks as they go through their quarantining situation. And the Big Ten has seen a number of football programs and other athletic programs have to be shut down for X, whatever period of time. Rutgers has been hit hard. Michigan State had to go through some things. Iowa was shut down. And Minnesota has just cut three sports from their budget, at least for the next academic year, fiscal year, uh, including men's indoor track and field, men's outdoor track and field, men's gymnastics, and men's tennis, because they simply can't afford running these programs right now. Stanford in the Pac-12 had to cut a few sports. And we've seen this happen at a bunch of group of five programs, too. So if you're not able to play football this year, it's going to be a financial nightmare. I don't know when we reach the stopping point for the end point for all of this, and I hope that it comes as soon as possible. But we're going to continue seeing stories like this pop up every now and then. And it's really up to the Big Ten and Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren to come out and address this more seriously than he has at this point. I don't think that Kevin Warren is necessarily the bad guy in all of this, but he is the face of the Big Ten Conference, and you've got some very notable people around the conference not very happy right now. So he has to at least address it to some capacity. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to be happy and hunky-dory once he does, but he absolutely, absolutely needs to come out and put this to rest and start to find a way to turn the page for the entire Big Ten Conference. While I do get kind of tired talking about when the Big Ten may eventually start to play some football again, I never get tired talking to you guys about Built Bar. They are new and improved. They've got new packaging, and the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was before. And they've got some brand new flavors to choose from on top of all of their great quality flavors that they've had originally in the past. You guys know I'm a big fan of the orange flavor. That was one of their original flavors, but I have been telling you guys time and time again, you have to try the Apple Almond Crisp flavor. It's one of their new and exciting flavors that they have available. It is perfect for this time of year. I'm telling you, if you want to bite into something that tastes like fall, the Apple Almond Crisp is absolutely the way to go. And these protein bars are perfect for anybody who's looking to stay healthy, stay fit, and just kind of keep your appetite satisfied until you get to your next full meal. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. But if you're tired of hearing me talking about it, go check them out for yourself. You got to go to BuiltBar.com and you can use the promo code LOCKEDON. They're going to give you $10 off your next order. And while supplies last, they're even going to throw in a free cooler with your purchase. Again, that's while supplies last. So you got to make sure you act now. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. I feel like I addressed this a little bit in our podcast earlier this week following the commitment to Wisconsin from Pennsylvania five-star offensive tackle Nolan Rucci, uh, obviously going to join his brother with the Wisconsin Badgers. After Penn State looked like they were the favorite in the recruiting process for a good amount of time and certainly landing the top offensive tackle uh, not only in the state but among the, among the best in the country from your own home state would have been huge. For Penn State's class of 2021 and when he ends up choosing Wisconsin a, a program that to their credit has been a 
factory for offensive linemen. I can understand why one of the top offensive linemen would want to go to a program like Wisconsin, given their track record with developing offensive linemen and sending them off to the NFL. It makes sense from many perspectives. Now, that's not to say that he wouldn't have had similar success if he had chosen to go to Penn State, and he certainly would have been a big key cornerstone piece of an offensive line foundation for the next few seasons with the Nittany Lions. But again, you look at Wisconsin and their history of offensive linemen, it's tough for a guy with that much skill and potential to really pass up. So again, the problem is a lot of people see that and they say that, well, James Franklin clearly is lacking something on the recruiting trail. Well, I think that that's kind of... uh, a column A and column B sort of situation. It's fair to say that Penn State doesn't necessarily have a huge handful of five-star recruits that have committed to Penn State under James Franklin, but you can also say that about the past 25 or so years of Penn State football, if you're being completely honest with yourself. Uh, Penn State hasn't traditionally landed a tremendous amount of five-star players. And I think if you look at what James Franklin has done on the recruiting trail, really since he's taken over, there are far more four-star players, at least more frequently, uh, a good number of four-star players coming into the program than had been coming into the program for probably a decade or so. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know that I've looked this up in the past. And it's easy to see that James Franklin has elevated Penn State on the recruiting trail as far as the kind of players that they are bringing into the program, the kind of talent that they have overall. And if the biggest fault is that he doesn't have the five-star players, I get it, but not a lot of coaches do. Obviously, the best programs that are out there that you talk about on a regular basis being conference championship contenders and favorites, as well as college football challengers, contenders, and favorites, and of course, national championship favorites, programs like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, they always get those five-star players. And Penn State doesn't typically get that, but they do put together some really good quality classes. And this is something that I've tried to stress time and time again, it is fair to suggest that James Franklin would really benefit from getting a five-star player, two five-star players in any particular recruiting class. If they had landed Nolan Rucci, it would have been a cherry on top of the class of 2021. And the problem is you look at the recruiting rankings and Penn State's class of 2021 is going to be further down the pecking order when you look at the overall class rankings and certainly within the Big Ten. But there are a couple of reasons for that. If you look at 24-7 sports and their composite rankings, there is a considerably smaller class that Penn State is putting together for the class of 2021. So that's generally not going to score as highly in the calculations that 24-7 does for their composite rankings. Overall, the quality is still there. They just don't necessarily have the quantity. And I think if you're looking for higher recruiting rankings, you're getting that quality in quantity as well. And that's just not something that was basically going to be in the cards for Penn State this year. It doesn't mean that the players that they're bringing in are lacking talent. Far from it. (laughs) There are some talented players coming into this program. It's just a smaller class is just generally not going to get the same kind of recruiting score that schools getting more recruits are going to pile up. So I think if you break it down player versus player by player overall and take a look at some of the averages, the way that the uh, the average player rankings come out, it's probably more on par with what some of the other programs that are ranked ahead of Penn State are doing. 
All eyes, though, will continue to shift towards that class of 2022. And the early indications are Penn State has put together a good start to that recruiting class. It's still very early. I don't get too carried away with Penn State having one of the top five recruiting classes just yet, but it is something that is always ongoing. And I think that that's one thing that James Franklin and his staff have tended to do pretty well. And again, recruiting is an ongoing process. It's years in development to put together a final recruiting class. And you're not going to get all the best players. Your problem is that people will see that all the top players in the state of Pennsylvania are not going to Penn State in this particular recruiting class, class 2021. Now, there is one player that it does look like Penn State is, once again, the favorite to land, and maybe they eventually will and get a safety. And then, you know, you look at some of the players that are ranked below him going to other schools. Well, if you get the higher ranked player at a certain position, that probably uh, eases some of the concerns with some of those other positions, uh, some of those other players playing the same position going elsewhere. Maybe that kind of eases the conversation a little bit. But it's very easy when Penn State misses on a five-star player from your own state uh, going to another Big Ten program. It's very easy to criticize what James Franklin is doing. And I saw Ari Warsman of The Athletic put out a column saying that where is the James Franklin that Penn State needs in the five-star recruitments? It's a fair assessment. It is a fair question to ask because he doesn't necessarily have the five-star players that would really help elevate the program a little bit uh, and try to get over to that next hump or past that next hurdle that James Franklin continues to talk about in building this program. But I will always circle back to the overall picture here. And the overall picture is very promising for what James Franklin has done with Penn State recruiting. Penn State is recruiting at a level that they have not had over a sustained period of time in a very long time. I think if you look at, yes, Penn State has had some good classes here and there. They've certainly had some really great players at point A, point B. But consistently, what Penn State is doing in bringing in talent is something that's that had been lacking within the program for a long time. <laughs> I think even the most hardcore of the Joe Paterno fans that are out there will have to understand that things are different now. Recruiting is a little bit different. And James Franklin, while they certainly would love to, quote, dominate the state, there are other recruiting areas that can be tapped. And I think James Franklin and his staff are doing a pretty good job of that. There's obviously talent in Maryland. Penn State has been effective in Maryland. They, you know, traditionally, they have been pretty good in Maryland and Virginia, North Carolina. Those are all areas where Penn State needs to have a foothold uh, moving forward, but also New Jersey. And now there's also some other developments that are going on in this particular recruiting cycle that are going to change the game a little bit. Greg Schiano at Rutgers certainly gave Rutgers a little bit of enthusiasm and optimism for where their program is going. And maybe that helped with Rutgers putting together their class of 2021. And uh, certainly the initial buzz of having Greg Schiano back at Rutgers, certainly within the state of New Jersey, changes the conversation with that program and its future. But can it be sustained? That's the big question. Ohio State has certainly been dominating for a long time. Urban Meyer took what was already a really good program from Jim, the Jim Trestle era and really elevated what they do in recruiting. And now you see on a yearly basis, they're just a machine. Now, it's very difficult for Penn State to get to that level, but I think people see what Ohio State is capable of doing. They feel like Penn State should be able to do the same. 
I don't know if they necessarily can, but I do think it is much closer than a lot of people are willing to give credit for. And you start to see that on the field a little bit. And we've talked about it before. Ohio State does have a couple playmakers that can change the game. And that is a shortcoming that Penn State is looking to try and fix. So I don't get too carried away with some of the recruiting conversations that are out there. I think James Franklin has done an excellent job with building the program through recruiting the way that he and his staff have been doing. And yes, it stinks that Nolan Rucci goes to Wisconsin and Penn State still doesn't have a five-star commitment. But again, if you put together enough four-star players and you add and develop some of those three-star guys, you can still put together a really good roster and one that is capable of playing for a Big Ten championship almost any given season. All right, I'm going to get to some of the week two games that are going on this weekend in just a moment. But first, I want to make sure you guys are fully aware that Locked On College Football, it's a daily podcast, Monday through Friday, and there are different hosts every day of the week. And I can't be more excited to be a part of this rotation. I'm going to be on there every Thursday with Matt Moscana from the Locked On LSU podcast. We're going to be starting to take a look at some of the upcoming games of the weekend, but we're also talking some of the big college football storylines. If you didn't get a chance to listen to yesterday's episode or any of the episodes from this week, go ahead and search for Locked On College Football on your favorite podcasting app and go check out the shows from throughout the week. Good conversation every day, and I think the fact that there are different hosts every day, you're going to get so many different perspectives on the state of college football. So highly recommend that you go check out Locked On College Football. One other podcasting note real quick. I will also be joining the Locked On Big Ten podcast on a regular schedule. I'm going to be on there every Monday co-hosting with my buddy Ben Stevens, who does a fantastic job with the podcast. And all the Big Ten hosts, I think, are going to be a part of the rotation throughout the week. So we're each going to have a different day to work with Ben, talk some Big Ten stuff. And I think I'm going to be doing some stuff recapping everything that's been going on over the weekend. So it looks like we're going to have some stuff to talk about when I come get a chance to join Ben on Monday. But again, I will be on the Locked on Big Ten podcast every Monday from now throughout the rest of the season. And I will be on the Locked on College Football podcast every Thursday. And of course, we're still going to be getting the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast three days a week, usually Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. But, you know, sometimes the, the adjustment of the schedule may be necessary. All right, guys, let's talk some week two college football games. Week two of the college football season officially got underway last night in the shadows of the NFL debut with Miami and UAB, but we're going to see some more ACC teams take the field. We're going to see some more Big 12 teams take the field. Not as many as originally scheduled because there have been a couple adjustments to those Big 12 team schedules already due to COVID-19, but nonetheless, we're going to get some more teams in action this weekend as the power conferences that are playing begin taking the field for the first time this year. And if week one was any indication, I'm expecting some sloppiness, even from some teams that you expect are going to be pretty good as the season goes along. Let's run through the games that are taking place this weekend. We'll run through the top 25, and if there are any other notable games out there to keep an eye on, I'll mention them as well. But we're going to run through the entire schedule from start to finish with the top 25 teams in action. And first and foremost, Saturday, we're going to get number 18, North Carolina, hosting Syracuse. 
Sam Howell of North Carolina is going to be the storyline here. He's coming into his sophomore season, had a really good freshman year, put up some really big numbers, and people are really excited about what's going to happen with him next. North Carolina is going to be a team to watch here. I'm not saying they are Clemson ready. <laughs> I don't think many teams in the ACC will be. But North Carolina won't have to play Clemson until the ACC championship game. And I think there's a very good chance that they're going to get there. I do wonder how crisp they are to start the year. Syracuse is certainly coming off a very disappointing year. I think there's going to be a little bit more fight in them this year. But Syracuse is a big underdog for a reason. I do like Syracuse to cover the 22-point spread. But I do think that North Carolina wins this game, gets off to a 1-0 start. Heading out to the Big 12, also a 12 noon Eastern, we've got Iowa State, coached by Matt Campbell, taking on Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Iowa State, I think, is going to be easily in control of this game from start to finish. They're only 11 and a half point favorites, I'm looking at this, but I do think there's a very good chance Iowa State has no issues here. Uh, Brock Purdy, get, get ready for to watch him put on a show. I think Iowa State runs away with this one. I think Iowa State's an easy cover at 11 and a half, as I'm looking at it right now. 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, number 10 Notre Dame taking on the Duke Blue Devils. Notre Dame's a, nearly a three-touchdown favorite here. I tend to lean more towards Duke covering that spread, but uh, again, I don't think Notre Dame's going to have too much of a problem taking care of business at home in South Bend in Notre Dame Stadium. I think Notre Dame gets the win. Their first win as an ACC member. That's right. This is an historic game for Notre Dame history. Uh, Notre Dame football history as they will play their first official game as a conference member again it's very likely only going to be temporary for one year as an ACC member but uh, they're going to get off to a 1-0 start in ACC play in their first ACC game pretty cool I think to look at that as historical footnote here but I do think Ian Book Notre Dame uh, in full control from start to finish I do think Duke covers that 20 point spread though I think there's enough fight in them to keep things just close enough to get that cover on their way home to Durham. Later on Saturday night, number five, Oklahoma, taking on FCS opponent Missouri State. I'm not going to talk about this one too much, although you know what to expect out of Oklahoma. You know that they are going to be all about their offense. And, of course, the shining star for this one is going to be their brand-new quarterback, Redshirt freshman Spencer Rattler. Now, of course, he got very limited action last year. And if you have taken a look at what Lincoln Riley has done with his quarterbacks, you can probably pencil him in to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. Although I'm just kind of joking there. I don't think we're going to get quite that carried away with Spencer Rattler just yet. Although Lincoln Riley's got a pretty good track record going. He had Baker Mayfield. He had Kyle Murley. And, of course, last year Jalen Hurts was a Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, the way that Oklahoma plays offense, you can expect that Rattler's going to put up some big numbers, but it is always interesting. This is the first time that Lincoln Riley has had to work with a quarterback that he recruited, signed, and is now developing. Every other quarterback that he's worked with, he, obviously he has worked with their game a little bit, but this is the first time that he's getting a chance to mold a quarterback from start to finish. So very curious to see what happens with Spencer Rattler. I think if there's one thing you can take away from Oklahoma is that they're probably going to put up 50 points easily on Missouri State. Also on Saturday night, number one Clemson on ABC visiting Wake Forest in their season opener and ACC opener. Clemson is a huge favorite on the road, 33-point spread. I actually kind of like them to cover that as well. I wish I could say that Wake Forest is going to put up a little bit of a decent battle here against Clemson. Maybe they do for brief stretches, but there's just far too much talent there. Trevor Lawrence is going to have a field day in his opening debut for the 2020 season. 
Keep in mind, Clemson is trying to snap a one-game losing streak. They got embarrassed their last time out in the national championship game against LSU. I fully expect that Clemson, of all teams, is going to be ready to go, set the tone for what could be another run towards a national championship uh, with a big win on the road against Wake Forest in ACC play. And one other night game involving a top 25 team. You got number 14, Texas Longhorns, hosting the UTEP Miners. UTEP already has one game under their belt. I don't know if that necessarily gives them a huge advantage here against Texas. In some matchups, I do think that a team that has already played a game is going to have a little bit of a, an edge compared to a team that is playing its first game. Again, if week one was any indication, there are some sloppiness there's some sloppiness going on around the country. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be enough for UTEP to score a major upset in Austin. UTEP is a 43-point underdog. I don't know if Texas covers that, but I do think that Texas wins this one hands down, easily, no contest, horns up for the Longhorns here. And just to throw them out there, because they are of some regional interest, you've got West Virginia getting their season underway against Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky was on the road last week and got blommed by Marshall. I think that West Virginia should be in a pretty good situation here. That'll be a noon kickoff Eastern on FS1. And of course, Pitt, as an ACC member, is getting their season underway. They're taking on an FCS opponent, Austin P. Uh, Austin P. also has a one game under the belt. They played a couple weeks ago against Central Arkansas in that uh, FCS kickoff game. So uh, Pitt, I think, is uh, going to be one to know at the end of the weekend. I don't think there's going to be too much issue there for the Panthers. I think the Mountaineers get on the board. Uh, Temple is not playing this weekend. They are going to be off uh, for another couple of weeks. Uh, they actually adjusted their season opening date with Navy because they feel like they're going to need more time to prepare. And I think after watching Navy uh, get blasted by BYU in Annapolis on Monday night, I think I can understand the uh, urgency for getting as much practice time in with contact drills as you possibly can before you start your season. So there have been a couple adjustments to the schedule this weekend. A Baylor and Louisiana Tech is pushed back. A TCU and SMU are not playing because of an outbreak at SMU. And earlier, East Carolina and Marshall had been pushed back. UCF and Florida International also kicked back. Uh, one game I'm kind of interested in, it will be the Army game. Army is hosting UL Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Army already won to know after a big win last week against Middle Tennessee. Uh, I think the big question here is, will Army have another 99-yard touchdown drive? I tend to say yes. And if they can do it in back-to-back -back weeks, uh, I, I would put them number one in my ballot uh, for whatever poll I may be a part of <laughs> this coming season. But uh, Army, I think, is going to win big. They're a 21-point favorite. I kind of like them to cover that this weekend. And that's a good way to bring another week on the Locked on the Lines podcast to a close. I thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and hanging in there throughout the week. Even though we don't have Penn State football to look forward to officially, there is still a lot of conversation going on, and I'm enjoying having that conversation with you guys. If you're enjoying it, please consider subscribing to this podcast and leaving a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing because we always appreciate any feedback you guys have, and it does help promote our show across those various podcasting apps, such as Apple iTunes and Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Whatever you're using to listen to podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. That'll really help us out moving forward. You can also stay connected with us in a variety of ways. We've got social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. You can use the username LockedOnNittany for any of those and reach out to us at any time. We always have some fun on Twitter, and we're going to get some more engagement going on Facebook and Instagram and, of course, over on Twitch as well. 
I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Kevin on CFB and check out my college football coverage and commentary over on athlonsports.com. And until next time, everybody, have a great weekend.